Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 167 of the Mo Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. And this one's a good one. I am interviewing um, a kind of new friend uh, who I met back in the spring. I went to this kind of women uh, in business um, networking retreat. It was uh, kind of uh, organized by um, a couple of people I know through the kind of uh, personal finance blogging community. And it was awesome, life-changing, quite honestly. And I met a lot of amazing people who I will actually feature on this podcast this season. Uh, And one of those people will be, uh, or is for this episode, Bobby Rebel. She is for a good chunk of her uh, career, she was a uh, journalist. She still does that. She can still find her on TV. I do all the time. Um, but she now has kind of shifted. So now she's more of an entrepreneur and doing her own thing. She is a CFP. She is the author of Financial Grown Up. Um, and she also has a podcast with the same name, which was actually just um, nominated for a Plutus Award, which is the Fingon. Uh, there were kind of a, uh, a annual awards. So she and uh, the best, like she has a great podcast, obviously. But what's great is she has some very interesting guests. Um, Not that I don't have an interesting guest, but she has some amazing big name guests. Um, And we kind of talk about a few in this episode. She kind of has a a few kind of um, just some good tidbits, basically. So we talk a lot about, uh, talk a lot, we talk, we do talk a lot, but we also talk uh, about a lot of really interesting things, a lot about um, just kind of making that shift in your career, um, networking, um, how to kind of get out of your shell and just kind of chase your dreams, a lot of stuff like that because we're very similar and that's exactly kind of what we've done. We've both had very kind of windy career paths that didn't necessarily go in a straight line. Um, So we talk a lot about all that good stuff. And I'm going to get to that interview in just a sec. But before I do, here's just a few words about this episode's sponsor. This episode of the Mo Money Podcast is supported by Vanguard Investments Canada. Unless you've been living under a rock, then you've probably already heard of Vanguard. Vanguard is one of the world's largest investment management companies and is one of Canada's leading providers of affordable index ETFs and actively managed mutual funds. Not only that, you've heard me talk a lot about index funds on the podcast, right? Yeah, well, Vanguard launched the first ever index fund in 1976, changing the investment landscape forever. Vanguard is on a mission to keep costs low. Lower fees on mutual funds and ETFs means more money in your pocket as an investor. There's even a thing called the Vanguard effect, which is when Vanguard sets up shop in a new country like Canada, and they help drive down costs in the investment industry because no one can compete with their low fees. Since they opened their doors in Canada in 2011, the industry's average MER on ETFs went from 0.44% to 0.37%. That may not sound like a lot, but it actually equates to saving Canadian investors tens of millions of dollars per year in fees. I'm also a proud Vanguard investor myself, holding a number of their low-cost ETFs in my own investment portfolio. To learn what funds I hold and more about Vanguard Investments Canada, check out my blog post all about them at jessicamorehouse.com slash Vanguard. Or head on over to vanguardcanada.ca for info on their funds, how to start investing, and how you could save thousands of dollars on fees by choosing low-fee funds for your investment portfolio. Once again, visit vanguardcanada.ca. Hi, Bobby. Thank you so much for joining me on the Mo Money Podcast. You look lovely today, by the way. You look lovely too. I, uh, like well, <laughs> I actually, right before this, watched your um, kind of reel of you like being on TV on your website. You? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You are a boss. 
you were so good. I would like, cause it's like, I know you in person. So to see you as, you know, on the stock exchange talking, you know, about all these things, I'm like, whoa, that, that is so, yeah. and talking to like some really heavy hitters, like Tony Robbins. Dang. That is so awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I got to meet amazing people and I still do. Yeah. Um, but that was really great. Yeah. And Tony's cool. Tony wrote the forward to my book. Oh my God. Yeah. So you're killing it, obviously. Um, and you're an author of the book, The Financial or Financial Grown Up. You also have a podcast with the same name, which is very exciting. Yes. And now you're kind of uh, you. interviewing a bunch of amazing people. Some of your guests are also like huge names too. You had like a, a fellow Thank Canadian, you. Kevin O'Leary on there, though I, I feel like he doesn't like yes. being known as a Canadian. <laughs> kind of forget. I don't know. Well, I did think he run for government position? Uh, he tried. He tried. He tried. I mean, he's owning being Canadian a little bit. I feel like just whenever I see him on Shark Tank, he always, uh, I don't know, he pretends like he's not from up here. But but he was on the Canadian version of the show first. He was on Dragon's Den. That was yes. that was a good time, yeah. But no, yeah. I think uh, going back to like him running for, I think what is it, premier or prime minister? I can't remember what he wanted to run for, but I think his excuse was that he didn't know French because you need to know French and English. And like, thank God, <laughs> I like Kevin O'Leary, but I don't necessarily think politics is his calling. I think he should stick to business. He's really good at that. <laughs> That's all. He's very good at business. He Absolutely, really I think he's great. Over- Stick yes. with that. <laughs> yes. And I have another another shark is coming on soon, but I'll oh, leave that goodness. as a mystery. Ooh, is it another Canadian another shark. perhaps? I can't say who it is, <laughs> but another shark is going to be taped very soon. Oh, that is so exciting. That's very exciting. Wow. So you have amazing guests on your show. You wrote a book. You're a CFP too. Um, and before all this, you were a journalist. So that's kind of a, kind of a, a big shift from, I guess, you know, working for lots of media outlets, um, being a journalist and um, basically just now shifting. So you're kind of your own personal brand doing your own thing. What made you decide to make this shift? Well, that's exactly what you said. I mean, I am was the journalist, but I am a journalist. I'm just doing journalism on my own terms Mm. and presenting stories and news and content in a different way. So it's not Mm. driven by, for example, we would report on the Fed, even if the Fed did nothing for a decade, Right. we would be covering the fact that they were thinking about doing something. Yeah. And there's a lot of value there, but I wanted to be able to tell inspiring money stories that would be more personal and get the listeners Mm-hmm. viewers, whoever it may be, to hear that and then take action of their own. Mm-hmm. So a much more tangible version of being a journalist, instead of being dictated to by the fact that a certain company had an earnings report out. And there's something from that because you might make a decision about whether to invest in that stock. Yeah. So there's a lot of value in that. But I wanted to pivot into something that was much more personal kind of journalism mm-hmm. and bring people still journalism, but much more personal stories. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, I want to first start talking about your book called Financial Grown-Up. Where did you get the idea for that? And then I want to kind of dive into what what does that mean to be a financial grown-up? Are any of us actually a financial grown-up? Because even me, I'm like, I don't know if we're I am. Working on it. We're, I'm still working so, on it. Yeah, we're, I'm working on it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, at the end of the podcast, I say every time getting we're getting one step closer to being financial grown-ups because like that's that. how we all feel. And when I introduce people at the beginning, I say, hi, so-and-so, you're a financial grown-up great to have you. And they'll go, Oh, I don't know if you should introduce me that way because maybe I'm not, I'm working on this. So everyone has their stuff behind the scenes. And it's a lot about demystifying 
the reality of all these high achievers. So I had this idea to bring personal finance to people in a way that was accessible, but yet aspirational. So you're seeing people, everyone in the book and everyone on my podcast are high achievers Mm -hmm. and they've accomplished a lot, but there's a lot that went into that. And mm-hmm. even though sometimes things look very easy, you mentioned Tony Robbins. Well, he's Tony Robbins. That's why he owns an island near Fiji and why he has this or a resort in Fiji and this, all his success. But the truth is he was a janitor who was overweight in a 400 square foot studio. And he just, as he says, he just decided to have a different life. And I think mm-hmm. it's important that we all hear stories about how these people came to be who they are because very few of them woke up being who they are. Yeah. I mean, I think Ferris says that a lot that people say, well, it's so easy for you to do this because you're Tim Ferris. And, and so everything comes to you and people return your call. But the truth is he created Tim Ferris Mm -hmm. and he became that. And I remember actually, this is actually never told Jessica that in the green room at Reuters, Kevin O'Leary was talking to me before we went on because I did interview him a number of times at Reuters. Mm -hmm. And he said, Bobby, one of the best things about becoming famous is that people return your calls. Mm. Everyone returns my calls. Yeah. Even if it's to get, you know, for an investment or whatever it is, he says that's what's been so different. So it's interesting, but he created himself. Oh, and his story sure. in my book is fascinating. So Kevin's in the book. Yeah. Um, he was also, as I said, one of my first guests on the podcast. But the book story he tells is fascinating about why he decided to have a career that is focused on earning money because he really wanted to play the guitar and do photography. Mm-hmm. And in fact, this is interesting trivia. He still does photography. If you go to Kevin O'Leary Photography, you can see his photographs. Oh my gosh, he I didn't know that. Them. He sells them at very affordable prices, raising money for a charity, and... Here's another tip. If you want to meet Kevin O'Leary, one potential way, just saying, hmm. is that he often goes to his own art shows. So if you find out where his photographs are exhibiting and you are in that town, you can often go and meet him. So I went one time and met up with him and his team in New York City at this art fair, and he had a little booth. And, and I hung out with his wife and his daughter, and he was just there with mm-hmm. everybody else and anyone that had ever wanted to meet him could walk over and say hi. So he's wow. really nice, really accessible, very friendly, genuine person. And you should check out his photographs. Oh, I, I'm going to do that. I'm also going to find out what, where his next show is and just pop by. But he, he I mean, he probably could. Yeah. Now I'm going to have Kevin's going to, his team's going to call me and say, oh gosh, there's like a line of people at his next show. Yeah, it's show. like tickets will be it's sold out. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? He, first of all, he it happens to be a very talented photographer, first yeah. of all. Yeah. So that's number one. And you could definitely buy one. But also he enjoys it and he does it for charity and it's genuine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no, it's exactly what you say, I think. And that's why I try to you know, get kind of a mixture of people on my show, but I do love talking to people that have reached that certain level of success because I think us, you know, regular folks, we aspire to be that. We we have an idea of what that looks like. We're like, oh, that must that life must be so amazing. But we actually have no idea, A, what that le- their current life looks like. It, you know, sometimes it's just like incredibly jam-packed schedules and it's like, would you actually want to live that kind of life? And we don't know how they got to that point. 
And so I don't think, and, and, and especially now being, you know, kind of a new entrepreneur, I've been doing uh, my own thing for about a year and a half now. I, I thought I worked really hard when I did this on the side and had my full-time job. And then when, now am I doing this full-time? Like, oh no, it's another level. It's, you're still, you're working hard, but it's a different kind of mindset. And a lot of it really is just pushing yourself, taking risks. And like you said, you know, Tony Robbins said, making that choice to have that different life, which is easier said than done. It's so hard. It is easier said than done. And I have friends that have quit their jobs and said, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And they've gone to yoga, which I have not been doing. And they'll say, oh, you need to take time for yourself. Well, and that's, I'm not saying it's not legit, but the reality is they're taking time for themselves, but their business is not happening at all. Yeah. Yeah. And time is going by and they left their job three months ago, six months ago and so on. And they're focusing on their wellness and getting centered and all good things, but nothing's happening. And they wonder how, you know, my book came out overnight. You know, I just wrote it. It was out and then it was in every magazine immediately. (laughs) No, of course not. I mean, my, not only did I make sacrifices, my whole family did. Mm Mm-hmm. And also all the years of experience of you, you know, being in this field, you can't just, you know, I I think a lot of people, well, there's that saying that most, uh, I've been reading a lot of uh, autobiographies of celebrities lately. I've just, I don't know, one after the other, a lot of comedians and all of them kind of say, oh, lots of people think I'm an overnight success. Little did they know it took me 10 to 15 years to get to this point to be an overnight success. And people don't realize that it takes decades sometimes. Right. You don't, you don't know if it's ever happening. Yeah. And also you don't see how much work goes into that 15 minute stand up routine. You think that they work 15 minutes, mm-hmm. but often they've spent months developing the material, testing it out and so on. So nothing is quite that simple as it appears. Their mm-hmm. talent is to make it appear that simple. That yeah. in and of itself is a talent, but even, um, you know, I'm thinking about um, on Shark Tank, Barbara Corcoran talks about the fact that her sort of real estate career ended very well. She sold her company, but then what? And yeah. she fought to get on Shark Tank. Yeah. And now that's a whole different career for her, but yet it didn't just happen overnight. She had to fight for it. Mm-hmm. I know. And uh, I mean, I, I haven't seen her episodes, but I'm a big fan of Bethany Frankel, who is just a, a fighter and a hustler. And she gets so much mm-hmm. flack for working basically like on the show it's she's kind of portrayed as this workaholic but it's like really to get to that level and to sustain that which i think is like the other kind of component it's one thing to make it to that level it's another thing to sustain that for a long period of time it's like as a woman especially i feel like you just have to work that much harder because you will never get a handout you have to work and just you know do whatever you have to do to kind of get to that level it's true and you have to balance it with your family and you have mm-hmm. to get their support. And it's not easy for my husband and my kids. I mean, there were times I was writing the book. I would just say, I am going to Whole Foods. I will come back when Whole Foods closes yeah. <laughs> at 11 when they came out. Because Whole Foods, for people that don't know this, they have um, an eating area with very boring formica tables. In other words, no yeah. distraction. Yeah. Really flattering, bright lights and very good Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Although you have to re-up in every two hours to give you guys a hint <laughs> of the fact that I was there for quite a long time. But you can buy a bottle of water and you can sit at Whole Foods across the street from my house. And my poor husband is stuck, you know, making dinner for the kids or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not there. So it's not just you in a bubble. It's whoever, however you define your family and your friends. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of friends I just didn't see for years, really, yeah. um, in terms of intentional plans that you've made. And 
then they just say, well, you just did this thing overnight. It's like, no, it takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. How important do you think it is to have that support system, whether it's a partner or family or friends? It seems like it is kind of an invaluable thing. Yeah. I think without it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And it's hard because you don't always appreciate it. They don't always appreciate what you're doing. It's the struggle, but then you come out the end of the tunnel and you hopefully you all feel really good about it. Mm -hmm. Which is definitely kind of basically putting to rest this idea that um, anyone is an island. Or I know a lot of people still think that, oh, you can be successful if you, yeah, I want to do it on my own. It's like, that's the one thing that I've realized it is actually impossible to do it on your own. I would not be where I am today, which is still working to where I want to be without, you know, my support system. And also just like the, the friends in my industry, you know, acquaintances, um, people I've met that support me. Well, that's, that's important too. I mean, you just got to the heart of it. I think that networking, not networking in that cliche bad Mm -hmm. way, but networking in a way that's genuine for many, many years throughout my career is what's been so important. And I think you are seeing it too. We met through basically a networking event, which was great, but we bonded with each other and with this group. And now that whole group is elevating each other. And I think that's a very important thing that you do, that you develop this group, professional group of friends that are Mm -hmm. genuine friendships, but also have a lot of ways that you can help each other's career in a substantial and intentional way. And I think that's also very valuable. And that happens over a long period of time. There are Mm -hmm. people that have been the biggest um, leads to opportunities that are people that I met 20 years ago, early in my career. And then they pop up because they referred you to somebody and that referral becomes your biggest client. And who knew that? Who exactly. would have ever expected that? So yeah. it's important to keep in touch with people and also be the giver as much as possible mm-hmm. because you may give to somebody who never gives back to you, but I believe in definitely the karma where yeah. you may not get back from that person, but somebody else will think of you when something else comes up. So that's always important. When you see a job, I saw a job listing for something that while I qualified for, I'm not going to do because I want to be doing what I'm doing, but I sent it to a friend that I know is very antsy in her job. And maybe that'll be something for her. And I don't expect it back, but it's just good to do that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the the one thing that, I mean, when I was early in my twenties and trying to figure out what networking meant and I had no idea, no one really teaches it to you or the people that do, they, they're giving you really terrible information. Oh, well, yeah. It's, go to a cocktail party and hand out your business card. It's like, no, there's the people that I avoid at like networking events now that just immediately like, here's my card and this is what I do. It's like, let's right. relax. It's really about yeah. creating those genuine relationships being a giver, always never asking. And, and that's the other thing. And I'm sure you ha- have this all the time now with the podcast. People are like, they just ask you for things and then they just like sit back and wait for you to say yes. It's yep. like, whoa, 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 what's in it for me? It has to be kind of a joint partnership here. Um, and just, and also, like you said, sometimes it's a long game. Sometimes you'll, you'll meet someone at an event, you'll, you know, create a relationship and you'll just kind of maintain that. You never know 20 years down the road, it'll, you know, you'll be able to help each other in a professional way. Exactly. You have to just play the long game and just live your life, have your friends. A lot of the time now, I was just at a breakfast and we were talking about the fact that work and life are sort of blending where we were all real friends. All Mm -hmm. of us, there were real friends. And yet we all were involved in each other's work in different ways. So I don't think you have this line the way you did in previous generations. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's because of technology Mm -hmm. and the way that we work now is so different in that we don't have jobs for our whole career where you're in your job and then you have your family very separate. Everything is blended. 
and everything's a little bit messy and your family ramps up and then your career ramps up and, and they balance each other sometimes. And sometimes it's very lopsided, but I couldn't define, um, we were trying to define whether this was a work event or a, or a friends event. Mm-hmm. And none of us could really define what it was, which yeah. one it was. So we don't really know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think a lot of it has to do with the internet and social media. Cause sometimes when people that like, you know, ask me like, especially when I, when I moved to a new city, didn't know anybody, the first kind of friends that I, I started really kind of leaning on were the friends that I made online, which at the time was so weird, but now I'm like, they're genuine friends. Yes. They don't live in my city or even country, but they're genuine friends. And that is a really cool, exciting thing. And yeah, so I probably know them through, a, you know, uh, my job or, um, the blogosphere or, you know, they're podcasters or whatever, but it doesn't really matter. I do feel like the, the lines are definitely blending, which is a good thing. I think it is a good thing. It yeah. is. Cause I really enjoy getting to know people that have similar businesses, overlapping businesses and so on. And then it's also nice to have friends that don't even know what you do, which is okay too sometimes. Exactly. And I think that was the biggest thing that I got out of uh, the retreat that we went on. Um, it was a very interesting mixture of women. It was, I kind of call it as like a women in business kind of retreat. No one really knew what it was going to be because it was the first one that happened. And right. uh, it was a lot of different women from very different kind of uh, sectors actually. Like, yeah, we're all kind of uh, involved in personal finance in one way or another, but lots of us were doing very different things, which I thought was really oh, great because yeah. there's so many ways we can help each other. Because I, I think that was the biggest takeaway from the event is, um, you know, we would all speak and be like, this is what I want. This is what I need help with. And there would always be someone in the room like, oh, I can help you with that. So everyone right. had a problem and there's always someone in the room that probably had a solution for you, which is so exciting. And I think that's the other thing I've realized is that people do genuinely want to help. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've always been shy until recent years for the ask. It's really hard to ask sometimes. Oh my gosh, yeah. But most people, if you ask in the right context, are very happy to help mm-hmm. and often don't want something in return at the moment, certainly. Mm-hmm. Very often these things that we can do for someone that's very valuable for the other person really cost us nothing. So it's a nice thing. And I think that women also are getting better at this. I think men used to do this I mean, they called it the old boys club. So I think women are getting the message. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely something that we, we need to learn, need to get better at. We are terrible at asking for help. We're, I think we're very good at giving help. We're really bad at asking for it. But again, if we're all like willing to help and we're excited to, you know, give that help, then why should we, you know, worry about it? There's definitely someone who's willing to help. I mean, every time I've pretty much asked someone, can you help me with this? Or can you give me some feedback on this? Uh, And and I created, I took the time to create that genuine relationship. I offered to help them in kind of way. And those are kind of, you know, simple steps. I've always gotten a yes because people generally do want to help. They want to see the people that they love and like or just have a good vibe from. I've I've helped people that I don't even know that well, but they just came off in a really genuine, positive way. I'm like, yeah, I do want to help you. I want to see you succeed. Exactly. And I found people say, oh, how do you get these big guests to be on your show? And how do you, how did you get them all in your book? The vast majority of people in the book, there were 30, um, role models is Mm. what I call them in the book. And of those, I think maybe two or three had been guests at Reuters. I mean, I know Kevin had maybe a couple others, but most of them, because I was really trying to separate from Reuters out of respect to Reuters and and have it be a separate project. Most of them, I simply emailed them about the project Mm -hmm. and 
got in touch with their team, either through an introduction or very often just cold. And they said, yes. So it's not that hard because believe it or not, not that many people do that. And I Mm -hmm. love one of your recent podcasts. You talked about the fact that these contests, I think it was about scholarships. So it it was was, was such a good episode of yours. Everyone should go back and listen to it. Mm -hmm. It was about finding money for college and scholarships. Mm -hmm. And I love this episode because so many, you were talking about the fact that so many scholarships are unclaimed or there's very few people competing. So everyone wants that $100,000 one, but the $500 one where you can probably repurpose the same essay, by the way, not that many people are going for. So I I don't, I think it was, it was one where there were like three or four people and they Mm -hmm. just decided to split it. So I mean, you have to just try. And a lot of the time, they're not, you think they're getting so many entries. You think you had some prize you gave away. And I think you said you had seven entries. Mm-hmm. So people often don't bother to enter. Because they, yeah, they already take themselves out of the equation. They're like, they're already, oh, it's probably going to be a no. So I'm not even going to risk getting a exactly. no. Or there's so many people entering. But yeah. I just ran um, a contest for, to give away a book. And I did get an entry about an hour after I posted it, but still an hour. Yeah. It took an hour for someone to DM me that they wanted the book and that's great, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like the floodgates open many more people than that likes the the post on Instagram, Yeah, but they didn't DM me to win the book. Yeah. And I think they just think like, oh, there's so many people who are doing that. So they don't bother to enter. But very often if you just call the person and ask, Mm -hmm. and maybe you might call a hundred celebrities and get one. Yeah. So you have to put the work and it does become a numbers game. Mm-hmm. But if you have a genuine interest in them and a reason why you're inviting them, then you can. So for example, I wanted to have an actress in the book. I ended up Drew Barrymore is in the book. Don't know her matter for two minutes. Mm-hmm. I went to something on a weekend. It was a retail conference type thing. And she was on the stage and I realized that even though she's quote an actress and doesn't have the reputation for being, although it's changing, but at the Mm -hmm. time I didn't know that she was as articulate as she is. She's Mm -hmm. very articulate, Mm -hmm. had a very good sense of her business and where she was going with, this is her beauty business, Flower Beauty, which at the time was basically only in Walmart. Mm -hmm. And so she talked so well, she spoke so well that I just said, well, you know what? I'm going to hang out. I'm going to find the PR person, find the team, and I'm going to see if I can get a couple quotes because the book only, they only answered two questions. Yeah. So I had my little iPhone and I hovered and chatted up the people around her, talked to her team, which was lovely. And then, you know what? Eventually I got my five minutes with Drew Barrymore. I'll send mm-hmm. you the pictures. Yeah. Lovely. And I got a great story out of her and she's in the book. So I probably attended who knows how many events where there were celebrities. And sometimes mm-hmm. you don't get a moment with them if it's not necessarily because it wasn't for Reuters. So I couldn't yeah. say, oh, I'm going to interview her for Reuters. It was on my time and it was yeah. for my personal book. So I had to always be honest about that. And she was lovely, like I said. So you have to actually try. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't done the awkward hovering, mm-hmm. it might not have worked out because, you know, you have mm-hmm. to yourself out there. Absolutely. And and from being on the other side of the table too, when I'm in an event and I see people hovering around me because they want to talk to me, at least maybe I'm not like Drew Barrymore level, but I'm excited to talk to those people because they're excited to talk to me. And you can't just assume these celebrities are so sick of talking to people. They most likely like people. That's probably why they're at the event. Otherwise they probably wouldn't be there. (laughs) 
Exactly. Yeah. Most of them, I mean, I know when I go to events, I love to talk to people and when someone, I mean, any feedback because we work, I mean, you're at home, I'm at home, we work in this bubble. And when you get out there, it's so rewarding to even like last night, there was a LinkedIn comment um, where someone was saying that they were enjoying my podcast and they listened to it on the commute. It totally made my night. Yeah. It was so awesome just totally. to hear a total stranger talking about my podcast and that it was, you know, what she loved listening to during her commute. And so that feedback really matters to us. So mm-hmm. it's that much more magnified in person. Exactly. And it's a simple thing. And like you said, it's, it's a numbers game. I think one thing that I've realized in my business is um, I, I was really afraid to put myself out there to ask and to pitch myself. And now I'm realizing I can't believe all the missed opportunities that, you know, went by the wayside because I didn't put myself out there. So I think, you know, in, in whatever you know, uh, situation you're in, whether it's for a job, networking, building your own business, you know, just getting some advice and help, you'd be surprised at how much you will actually get or how many yeses you'll actually get. But it is kind of a numbers game. Sometimes, I mean, I still have like from several years ago when I first moved to Toronto, I was trying to find a job, didn't know anybody who lived here and was starting from scratch. I still have the spreadsheet where I, I listed all of the jobs I applied to. And I think I applied to 150 over the course of about like eight months. But from that, I think I probably got maybe 25, 30 interviews. And out of that, I eventually got a really good job. She went on 30 interviews though. That's a lot. Exactly. That's a lot. You know, and people don't realize that. I mean, people apply to three or four jobs and they go, oh, I didn't get it. It really is a numbers game, especially now. It's very frustrating because there's all kinds of algorithms. So it's that much harder to get Mm -hmm. the interview through those means. So you really have to, I think there's a higher value of being out in real life. Like I mentioned, I went to this breakfast, which Mm -hmm. is friends, but it's also work friends. And from that, three or four people, because I hadn't seen them in a while, said, oh my goodness, I I, I love your podcast and I want to talk to you about this idea I have for that and this idea. And that would not have necessarily happened if you don't get that get out there like IRL, as people say. It's oh, really 100%. important human connection. Yeah, human connection. I've been realizing that too. The more you get out there in a offline situation, going to these yes. events or like whatever, our event. Yeah, like you, you it's will. True. I've always, I feel like, had the uh, a really great experience or a really big impact on my life or my business when I go to a, a in person event. Like that's why I love to go to conferences uh, and networking mm-hmm. events and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you'll and it's just like exciting to meet new people and hear their stories. I think oh, well, we like people's stories. That's what we do for a living. Yes. But for yes. me, I mean, it's it's really exciting just to hear like how, what are other people doing with their lives, their careers, their money, whatever. And you, you really won't get a real sense of that until you really put yourself out there and go, you know, people meet people in real life. IRL. Yes. IRL for sure. And that's, you know, the podcast is a lot about that. It's a lot about, I was very hesitant to do a podcast because there are so many good ones out there like yours. Mm -hmm. And what I finally came up with was to be true to myself coming from a television reporter background where I was used to doing interviews that were three minutes. I remember when Tony Robbins came on his interview was too long. And I remember I had to cut it and cut it and cut it. I know. And you're like, there's so many other questions I want to ask. And he was so good. And it was so painful to cut it down. So, but I'm used to these short interviews. So my podcast ended up being this very short capsule podcast where I just ask people to share a money story and a lesson and an everyday money tip. And that's the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that you can listen. If you just have 15 minutes, you can listen while you're running a quick errand. Mm-hmm. Or if you're commuting, you could listen to three or four. Yeah. 
if you're stuck in traffic, you can listen to more. Yeah, exactly. You can listen to <laughs> the whole thing. Too many. I don't want you to be in too much traffic. But the, <laughs> the idea was to do something a little bit different and to mm-hmm. kind of turn the model on its head a little bit and not do what everyone else was doing better. I think that there's so many good podcasts out there already that I wanted to approach it in a different way and give people something that people aren't. I always tell my guests, and I will eventually get you on the show because we've talked about that. I'm going to recruit you. (laughs) But I always tell them you need to come up with something that you haven't talked about. Mm, Which is so hard. I feel like I've shared everything. Oh, we'll come up with something. Yeah, I'm sure. We'll, <laughs> we'll dig do. deep. I'm good at that. Yeah, I bet you are. I'm afraid of what so I might reveal. From your childhood. I, yeah. just got, I just met someone. I'm not going to tell you who, but she's very, very famous. And she's Ooh. famous about something with her dad. Oh. And I'm like doing a little tease here. And she's a big TED Talk coming up. Mm. And we talked about her. She's obviously on very good terms with her dad now. But we talked about the fact that her dad left the family when she was young and put them in a precarious financial situation. Mm -hmm. And that was something she'd never really talked about. Mm -hmm. And her dad's basically her business partner now. Wow. And it was a great story. And it was really special that she was willing to share it because so many people are in those very difficult situations where divorce happens. It's about their parents, but yet the children are impacted and how the children remember it. Yeah, really, it really informed her whole approach to money mm-hmm. and it feeds into how she does these, this money project that she does with her father. Mm-hmm. Is that a good tease? Jessica? Ooh, I'm excited to check episode. it out soon. But so we get, we get into the dirt on financial grown up. I love I'll that. I'll get something good out. Well, I'm I'm so excited. I'm going to like binge listen to all the episodes I haven't yet listened to yet. Um, but I'm going to let you go. Uh, where can people find more information about you and your amazing podcast? Thank you. So everything is at bobbyrebell.com, B-O-B-B-I-R-E-B-E-L-L. And you can learn more about the podcast there. Just click on Financial Grown Up Podcast. And I'm on Twitter at Bobby Rebel and on Instagram at Bobby Rebel with the number one at the end. Thank you, Jessica. And that was episode 167 with Bobby Rebel. Make sure to check her out at bobbyrebel.com. Subscribe to her podcast, Financial Grown Up on iTunes and everywhere you can subscribe to a podcast wherever you're listening right now. Um, and also grab a copy of her book, Financial Grown Up. As she mentioned, she has a ton of amazing uh, people that she features and she had, you know, forward from um, Tony Robbins. That's I mean, crazy. So make sure to check that out. Also check out the show notes at jessicamorehouse.com slash 167. Um, Don't go away. Have some important things I want to share with you in just a hot sec. But before I do, here's just a few words about this episode's sponsor. This episode of the Mo Money Podcast is supported by Vanguard Investments Canada. Want to start investing, but also want to avoid paying crazy high fees? Or maybe you're already investing, but hate that the fees you're paying are eating up a huge chunk of your returns. Then you may want to consider Vanguard's low-fee ETFs or actively managed mutual funds instead. Vanguard is one of the world's largest investment management companies and is one of Canada's leading providers of affordable index ETFs and actively managed mutual funds. Curious how they're able to offer funds with some of the lowest fees around? 
Well, rather than being a publicly traded company or owned by a small group of individuals, Vanguard is owned by its U.S. domiciled funds and ETFs, and those funds in turn are owned by their investors. That means that Vanguard investors don't have to worry about the company being acquired one day and can rest assured that Vanguard's only priority is offering low-fee funds so their investors can build their wealth even sooner. To learn more about Vanguard Investments Canada, check out my blog post all about them at jessicamorehouse.com slash Vanguard. Or head on over to vanguardcanada.ca for info on their funds, how to start investing, and how you could save thousands of dollars on fees by choosing low-fee funds for your investment portfolio. Once again, that's vanguardcanada.ca. All right. First and foremost, got some pretty exciting news, I'll, I'll have to say. So I mentioned at the beginning of this pos- uh, this uh, episode that uh, Bobby was nominated for a Plutus Award for her new podcast, and I myself may have also been nominated for a Plutus Award. First time actually being nominated for um, my podcast. Usually I've been nominated in the past because of my blog, um, and I've always kind of been like, nah, but what about my podcast? Um, and this year, I don't know, people voted. I, I'm i kind of shocked and super, um, I don't know, I feel super grateful that I've been nominated for a Plutus Award uh, at uh, this year's uh, FinCon conference. So thanks anyone who, uh, you know, nominated me, voted for me, supported me. Uh, and thank you for just listening and subscribing to the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And we will see in a few weeks uh, if I actually win this award. Though, if I do, I'll be a little bit miffed because I am not attending FinCon this year, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, in any case, I'm really excited because actually in the category that my podcast is nominated, which is um, Best Podcast, I do believe, uh, it's actually, there's there's a number of us, I think maybe nine or ten nominees, and the majority of us are women. So a lot of awesome women podcasts being featured this year. So I thought that was pretty pretty nifty. Now, uh, another thing that uh, I'm, I'm stoked about is just how awesome my Facebook group is. See that? Was that kind of a, a lame transition? Whatever. Um, well, and just in case you're new to the podcast or you haven't heard me kind of discuss it a bit, I have my own free Facebook group called Money Life Balance, and it is just a uh, great space, uh, non-judgmental space where anyone can ask uh, their money questions. Anyone can um, just uh, ask for advice or suggestions. It is uh, just a safe space where you can kind of talk about money. And uh, there's always there's already like 1,500 members in there, which is crazy. But we're always looking for new awesome members to join us to continue the conversation. And it's a great space for especially if you're just you're just starting your personal finance journey and you need a little guidance or you just want to know what other people are talking about. I find that's my favorite part about personal finances. Uh, seeing what or, or hearing about what other people are doing with their money. So make sure to pop in there if you like. Just go to facebook.com slash groups slash money life balance. Um, and I'd also just encourage you because there's going to be a lot more exciting things to um, share with you. Um, but sometimes they come and go very quickly. So I don't have time to share them on the podcast. So make sure to get on my email. It's jessicamorehouse.com slash subscribe. I share every little detail about what I'm up to, announcements, events, um, hopefully some more um, millennial money meetups um, and stuff like that uh, to my uh, email subscribers. So make sure to get on the list, jessicamorehouse.com slash subscribe. Okay, that is it for me. I will be back here next Wednesday with a fresh new episode make sure to hit that subscribe button or uh, leave a review. I'm going to be gathering uh, the recent reviews I've been getting on iTunes and going to do some shout outs on uh, some episodes very soon. So make sure you do that. I'd you know, really appreciate it. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's all I've got really. So enjoy the rest of your day. I'll see you back here next Wednesday with a fresh new episode of the Mo Money Podcast.
This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.